Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Gospel simply means good news. It's a community of people that is gathering around good news. Now, we gather for a lot of different reasons in our culture these days. And and we live in a world that has a lot of bad news. It's really easy to get a lot of bad news. And and, and sometimes I I find myself uh, in a group of people and we're drawn to each other because we're discussing the latest bad news. Or we're, we're discussing the latest crisis. Or we're discussing the latest pastor who has fallen from grace, or we're discussing the latest uh, political decision, or we're discussing the latest whatever. What's the hot goss these days, as they say? I don't know if anyone actually says that, but it sounds right. We, we gather, we have this tendency sometimes as humans to gather around train wrecks and car accidents it's like rubbernecking for every aspect of life. We, we just can't help but stare and look, and we gather around it, and we gather around bad news. And, and when, when people gather around bad news, usually uh, what happens in, in our world, tell me if, if this lands for you, because this, this lands for me, um, usually we become really cynical we're suspicious of everything. It's not really uh, something that's transformational. It doesn't change us or help us in any significant way. We just get kind of cynical. Or when we gather in a community around bad news, um, we become very individual instead of communal. Because today's bad news is about that person over there, but next time it might be someone in this circle. So we're not going to include them when we talk about the bad news next time. So bad news makes us very individual, not very communal. And then finally, bad news makes us very material-focused instead of holding things loosely and being intentional about going out to others. We want to consume. Uh, We love content. We we want more of that news because we want to hear what the next thing is or the next bad thing is. Does this feel relevant to anyone besides me? Yeah, And so we, we tend to have a, 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 a posture of gathering around bad news. But what the church is supposed to be uh, is gospel community, literally good news community. We gather around good news. We gather with the, the sole intention of gathering around the truth of Jesus. Here, here's the gospel in a, in a sense, in a nutshell. Uh, Jesus, who is God, came to live among us and show us how to live, died for our sins, was raised to life. He is seated right now with God the Father. He is king over everything, heaven, earth, the entire universe, and he is coming back and will make all things new. That's the good news that we gather around as 
gospel community, as good news community. So instead of gathering around, did you hear what so-and-so did? We're gathering around, did you hear what Jesus did? Did you hear what Jesus did? So gospel community is not centering us around cynicism or individualism or materialism where we're trying to consume. Here's what gospel community is, essentially. Gospel community is centered on Jesus, which is transformational, connected together as his body, It's a life shared, not individual, and it's continually reaching out to the world with an openness that's intentional. Let me say it again. Gospel community is centered on Jesus, which is transformational, connected together as his body. It's a life shared together, not individual, and continually reaching out to the world with an openness that is intentional. So this morning, I want to read from Acts chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 42 through verse 47. And I want to read this story, and it is a picture of the very beginning of gospel community. It is the very beginning of good news community being formed. And, and what I, I want to do is, is just talk about each of those pieces being centered on Jesus, connected together in his body, and continually reaching out to the world, and what it looks like for us to be a gospel community, a good news community in light of this. So would you read this, follow along with me? I'll have it on the screen here. Beginning in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, As is the case every week, we need your empowerment to do anything that we're talking about this morning. And so we just yield, we surrender, we let go. And we surrender before you, Jesus. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do something new in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So gospel communities, as I've said, they're centered on Jesus. They're connected together as his body and continually reaching out to the world. Let's talk about these for a minute. First, gospel communities are centered on Jesus. Let's look at this. Verse 42 to 43. They're centered on Jesus. Look what all the believers were doing. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So the scriptures, the studying. You know, the apostles didn't make up their own teaching. They were following the teachings of Jesus and passing them on. And they were together in community around that. 
They would take the Lord's Supper. They were taking communion frequently. There was many miraculous signs and wonders. Everyone had a sense of awe. Now, I I grew up in the church. Some of you grew up in the church. Some of you are newer to church. But I'll be honest, this is not often the experience that I had in church growing up. I just had a sense of awe when I was at church. I was devoting myself to what the pastor was teaching. I I don't do that all the time. Sometimes I, I look at this passage and I go, this is unrealistic. We need to tone it down. They were a little bit radical. They were a little bit extreme. But, but here, here's what I want to, I, I realized as I was reading this again, something had just happened to them right before this passage we read. It was the moment the Holy Spirit fell on this group of Jesus followers for the first time. They were suddenly empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in a way they did not think was possible. And so now suddenly the Spirit of God is putting a desire in them for something that literally did not exist on the planet before this started. And so suddenly here they are. We need to devote ourselves to Jesus' teaching. And we need to take of his bread and body. We need to take of the body of Jesus. Did you know that the early Christians, everyone thought they were cannibals? They thought they were cannibals because they would talk about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood. And and they were so radical in their devotion that people really thought it was true. They must be eating someone. They thought they were cannibals. They were accused of cannibalism quite often in the early church. Their devotion to the practice of communion, for them, this is the moment when Jesus' presence would meet them in their gatherings. It was the high point of their, of their times of worship together. So when, when the gospel, the good news, is what we're gathering around, we have to remember that Jesus is the gospel. The gospel isn't something else that Jesus did. The gospel isn't uh, something that was described after Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. The good news is Jesus. And when people encounter Jesus and they say yes to Jesus, here's what happens. When when we're centered around Jesus, we begin to be transformed to live a life that looks so different from anything we're used to. So he changes our practices and our preferences. They begin to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. We might have a preference to kind of just dabble on the side. Jesus is saying that Jesus is transforming us to a way where our practices and our personal preferences get changed. Jesus is transforming us because uh, we become radically reorganized around his body. They, they did life totally different because they did life together through fellowship and, and meals together, including the Lord's Supper. There's a reason that the scripture is worded this way, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. Uh, there, there were meals sometimes called love feasts. 
And it was agape love. It was this place where the socioeconomic uh, walls and divides were crushed. And it was a place where everyone shared equally in the bread and the blood of Jesus. And there would be a meal shared. So those who had more money, more wealth, and could contribute to the meal contributed. People that were slaves, people that were poor, that were part of the church, they could literally bring nothing to the table, but they knew they would be well fed. And and it was a place that practically broke down the barriers in terms of provision, who had and who did not have. But it was all done in a way that was centered around Jesus and his presence. And and so it began to radically reorganize this community so so they would behave differently because they had met Jesus. And so they're sharing food together with people that normally they would never associate with because Jesus has done something radically different in their lives. And they also had a constant awareness that Jesus was continuing to work in them, continuing to shape them and make him more like him. Just like it says, they had a sense of awe. They were seeing healings and signs and wonders and miracles and people getting delivered from demons. There was all sorts of powerful things happening in the name of Jesus. And there was just a constant sense of expectation and wonder. People were not going to church, if I could put it this way. People weren't going to church because it was a good thing to do or it made me a nice person or I felt better about myself. They were going to church, if I can put it that way, because their lives were fundamentally different after they met Jesus. Gospel community has Jesus at the center, which makes it transformational. Transformational. This is what Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, 20. He said, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Think about this. There's more than two or three of us, last I counted in the room, where any of us are gathered as followers of Jesus. Just two or three. You don't need a whole bunch. Just two or three. Back in, in this time when Jesus said this, by the way, you needed at least 12 Jewish men to establish a synagogue. He breaks down the, the gender barrier with this statement. He, he breaks down whether it has to be Jew or Gentile. He simply says if there's two or three followers of Jesus, period, I'm there with you. The resurrected Lord himself is right there with you. Have you ever come into church and just expected the resurrected Jesus to be right here among us? Is that a new concept for you? It's okay if it is. Some of you have been like, is that what it, why it feels different? Is that what I'm sensing or noticing? Where two or three are gathered, Jesus is present. And when we begin to recognize his presence, we begin to respond to his presence. When we begin to say yes to his invitations, when he challenges us, we surrender. We begin to see transformation in our lives take place that uh, no therapy, no no doctor, no self-help book could ever make happen. Our church experience is supposed to be so much more than we file in, we sing some songs, we hear something inspirational, I grab some coffee on the way out, and I hurry out because I've got a roast in the oven. I don't know if people still put roasts in the oven. That's an old pastor joke. 
But do you hear what I'm saying? When we gather, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's with your life group throughout the week, I want you to consider and be expectant for the risen Jesus to be right there with you. The, the Jesus you read, I don't even know how like I can say this like anymore plainly. The Jesus you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he blinds Paul in the book of Acts. He's right here with you right now, with us. Every group that we'll meet this week, every group that we'll meet throughout the year, he's right there in your midst. Does that change how you think about what's happening, what we're doing in community? Does that change the way you look at church? Does that change the way you think about a life group? Does that change the way you think about getting together with a couple other friends who follow Jesus? What does it do? What does it, how does it challenge you? It challenges me. So centered on Jesus. Gospel community is centered on Jesus and it makes it transformational. Second, gospel community is, is us connected together as his body. It's a life shared, not individuals. It's a shared life, we're not individuals. Verses 44 45 and 46, all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. There's communion again, gathering around Jesus himself. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. See, what the Spirit had done in each of them is make their lives inseparable. How have you allowed the Holy Spirit work in your life in such a way that you begin to see other people in your church community as inseparable? Does that make you uncomfortable? See, a shared life empowered by the Spirit, it does something to me where I'm not just interested in the me, but I'm interested in we. It, it changes how I, I look at coming to church because I'm not just here to, I need to get what I need for the week. I, I'm looking at how are we needing to follow Jesus? It's no more, well, what do I need to do? Let me, let me take care of me. Let me take care of number one. Take care of me and my family and the things on my to-do list. Important things. I'm, I'm not trying to say that like, we don't have things that are significant that need to happen. But, but a lot of times we're so individualistic in our thinking that we forget that it's actually supposed to be the we instead of the me. And so when the Spirit comes, it creates a shared life. And we're not interested in the me anymore, but the we. I love this. Theologian Scott McKnight says, the Christian life is not just about how I am doing as an individual, but especially about how we are doing as a church and how and what I am doing in that mix of others called the church. This is a we thing, not a me thing. Following Jesus 
in gospel community is about us. Romans 12, 4. This this is how uh, significant this we thing is. In Romans 12, chapter 4, Paul says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. Can you imagine your ear going, I've had enough of this. I'm going to start my own thing. Can you imagine your finger just being like, I think I could make it on my own. Colossians 1.18, Paul uses this analogy about the body again, but this time he, he really brings it home. He says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So we're all part of this body, this one group, this gospel community, and who's the head of the body? Jesus. Jesus himself is the head of the body. People say all the time, I I talk to people and I hear this story a lot. Oh, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian, I just don't do church. Now, there's a lot of people who've been incredibly, terribly wounded in church. That's true. That doesn't invalidate any of that. But as a, one pastor I know loves to say, we are wounded in community and we're healed in community. There's no other way. We, we can't run from the thing that wounded us because it's the only thing that can heal us. It might not be the same community, but we can't run from church or, or some of us are thinking maybe, I've, I've heard people say, maybe you've heard it too, yeah, I love Jesus, but I, the organization thing with church and like the, the rules and stuff like that, I just can't do that. Sure, there's probably some things that need to be adjusted. No church is perfect, for sure. But, but that thing of I love Jesus, but I can't do church. I follow Jesus, but I can't do community. When Jesus is the head of the body, what, that creates a problem. Because if I'm in the church, I'm, I'm in Jesus' body. And if I'm in Jesus, I'm in the body called the church, right? Yet we want to decapitate Jesus. It's like when Herod said, bring me John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. We want Jesus on like a silver platter. Just his head though, I don't want the body. It's a little extreme, but I don't know how else I can d- interpret what's being said here. Love Jesus, I follow Jesus, I I read the Bible, I pray. But no, I'm not a part of any community. It's impossible, it it doesn't exist. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century pastor, German theologian, he was killed at the hands of the Nazis as he was standing up against the totalitarianism in in Germany in the 1930s and 40s. And and he said this, he, he wrote one of the masterpieces of Western thought in terms of the theology of community. And he keeps describing throughout one of his books uh, how when we are in Christ, the definition of us is, as it says in Ephesians especially, like that we're in Christ. When you belong to Jesus, you are in him. But the thing about you being in him is everyone else who's following Jesus is also in Christ. And he says, you can't 
be in Christ but be apart from the body. It's like, well, I'm going to go over here and be in Christ. Can you go be in Christ over there? We can't have a shared life and hold on to our individualism. It's going to require, uh, probably for all of us, a radical reordering of lives around good news community. What does it look like for you to choose in to good news community? Because it's still very easy. You know, we're not a large gathering on Sunday mornings, but it's still fairly easy to come in, go out, and never be truly known. And, and for me, if, if I used to be scared of being known. I used to be really scared of being known because I was ashamed of a lot of things, embarrassed of a lot of things, stuff I just didn't want to talk about. And it was kind of nice to just do my own thing. And I was in church. But when I allowed people to really know me, know my story, know my past, know the things that I've been ashamed of, embarrassed of, things that were, were secret secrets that I didn't want to share, I learned how loved I really was. Because when, when you start to share those things in good community, you know what happens? They don't go, oh, we can't have you here. We're perfect, remember. No, they don't say that. They say, just as we've received from Jesus, we're passing on to you. We begin the healing process and the healing journey. In community, as much as you want to be known, you can be known. And when you say, oh, no further, that's when the healing stops. But when we're connected to the body, gospel community, the good news of it is Jesus is transforming us, but we're also connected, inextricably linked to a beautiful group of people who are all in Christ together. We share in that body, and we can't have the head without the body, and we can't have the body without the head. And so it's going to require from us a radical reordering of our life around gospel community. And third, Gospel community continually is about continually reaching out to the world with an openness that is intentional. An openness that's intentional. Verse 47, they've got all this amazing stuff going on. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're in awe that these miracles are happening. All these things are incredible. They're, they're going deep into committing life and sharing life together. And, and there's this beautiful thing happening amongst uh, these believers and, and, and a new reordering of how they organize life together. But it doesn't stop there. They don't go, okay, we've got this good thing going. Let's just keep it where it is and not mess it up kind of feels like that sometimes like when you get a good thing going you're like nobody move it's perfect right now but the spirit was just getting started and he wanted to fling the doors open and say this good thing that you're experiencing here this transformation you've experienced this shared life together that you've experienced it's for the whole world and there is an openness and an intentionality that each one of us needs to have so that even more can be added to the number of those who are being saved. 
They were praising God. They were enjoying the, the goodwill of all the people. That, that meant that they just had favor. People that were not part of their church community, their gospel community, they were like, those people are crazy, but they are amazing. It was often the case that people would not want to join the church. They were cautious. They were hesitant because they could see the cost that it was. But they were like, man, those people are amazing. There's stories throughout the early centuries of the church in particular when there were plagues in different cities, including Rome. People, especially the wealthy who could afford it, would run out of the city to escape the plagues and the viruses. And it was often the fact that the Christians would stay behind. Didn't matter if they were part of the church community or not, and they would care for the sick. They would love them until they died or would pray for healing and see people restored. As before hospitals were a thing or anything like that. Hospitals exist because of the church. Did you know that? They were continually reaching out to the world with an openness that is intentional. They'd never known a life like this. And and so the, the radical transformation that was happening in them went so far as to say, oh, I know a lot of people that live in my neighborhood that need this too. It doesn't mean we have some perfect thing going and they say, okay, it's ready now. Now invite people in. God is doing the work. It's slow. It's steady. But we're, we've got the doors open. And it, notice that it wasn't them that were adding to their number. Who added to their number? The Lord added to their fellowship. See, we're just open to people. Our, our job is to be present to people. Our job is to share with them when, when there's something that we have the ability to share with them. But it's Jesus who does the work of inviting them into community. So you can take that pressure off of you. If you felt that, like, I have to tell all these people and convince them to follow Jesus. You have to do none of that. Let your life bear witness to the radical transformation and the shared life that you are walking in. Be intentional about being open to those around you and the Lord will do the adding. So we have to maintain a very intentional posture of of openness that can be very uncomfortable. It's much easier to be like, I've got my peeps. I know everyone. We know each other. Okay, it's cool. I'm an introvert. I don't want to know any more people right now. This is hard for me. I totally get it. Can we just keep it here? This is comfortable. But we're constantly called to be as generous as Jesus was himself. And open up our hearts, open up our homes, open up our conversations, open up our schedules, open up our bank accounts, open up whatever is needed to love people well. So the same belonging that we have found in Christ and in the church and gospel community can belong to so many around us. You know people, I know you know people that are really in need of transformational community like this. Think of the people. If you're like, I can't think of anyone, get new friends. I'm not saying ditch your old friends, but I'm saying intentionally get open to the people that God's put around you. You might not even realize it. God's put people in your life. 
I know, I know some of you have people that you're just slowly kind of chipping away. You're loving on them. You're just good friends to them. And in so doing, you are witnessing to them the love of Jesus. Keep going. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep being open to them. Gospel communities, they're centered on Jesus. It's transformational. They're connected together as his body. It's a life shared, not individual. And we're continually reaching out to the world with an openness that's intentional. So as we close and and wrap this up, I want to do a soul check real quick on these three. Cynicism, individualism, materialism. I mentioned these at the beginning. These are the enemies of gospel community in each of our lives and in us collectively as a church, in our our life groups, in all of those levels. Here's what cynicism does. It keeps us from being willing to devote ourselves to the teaching of Jesus. I've seen this fail so many times with other people, or it's not working, or God's not really present. Is he really in our midst when we say that we're here? Can God really do miracles today? Can he really heal people? I don't know. This is cynicism speaking. You know what the, the, one of the number one, I had a friend who, who worked in a coffee shop, and he, he, uh, I asked him, he worked with a lot of like younger folks, like the Gen Z crowd, kind of under the age of, say, 25. And I asked him one day, hey, what's kind of the prevailing sentiment when you guys start talking about what's going on in the world? And he said, he thought about it for a minute, and he just said to me, nihilism? Just meaning nothing matters. Doesn't matter. Do whatever you want, because it really doesn't matter. Cynicism. Cynicism. That is the polar opposite of a gospel community centered on Jesus, a, a, a community that's expectant for the hope of the world to be present every time they gather together. Not just that he's there and you're gonna feel good and then you go back to normal life after, but that he is fundamentally changing your life and my life. So cynicism is the enemy of that. So a soul check, is there cynicism somewhere in your life that needs to be dealt with? It destroys our sense of awe and wonder at the daily transformational work of Jesus. The second one, individualism. Is this one of your enemies? Is this one of our enemies? Think about your groups that are gonna be starting. Think about our church. Is this an enemy? Individualism, here's what it does. It isolates me from being known deeply and sharing life with other Christians. Individualism keeps me like, well, they're just gonna judge me and kick me out. And that's the enemy usually talking. That's the flesh talking. That's the whole way the world thinks about this. It's like, well, once, once they find me out, they're, then they're gonna like just manipulate me and use it against me and all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. We have to all be known in order to be truly loved. And when we receive real love, instead of faking it and wearing that mask, that's when healing comes. That's when the healing comes. But individualism is a huge enemy of gospel community. We can't do shared life together if we isolate. One of the things that I I think is so funny about West Milford, 
uh, we, we did a lot of uh, research and asked people li who live in the community a bunch of questions so we could understand this local context better, so, so, we, so we could see how can we serve West Milford better. And one of the prevailing like, themes that would come up when we did that was um, people love moving up here so they have a little more space, they can get away from people. And then we found the flip side of that was I feel isolated. I feel alone. They, they came almost for, for the positive benefits of rest and a little more space and a little quieter. But what began to happen was isolation. See, the individualism thing chases us, whether we're in the middle of a dense Manhattan neighborhood or we're out in West Milford, Warwick, Hewitt, Vernon, the whole surrounding area. Isolation from individualism is the enemy of community no matter where you go. And it wants to isolate you from being deeply known. And then finally, so think about that. Is that something in your soul that needs to be dealt with? And finally, materialism. Materialism, uh, materialism is the consumer attitude of I need more or I want more or I'll just get this or this would be nice to have. And actually what it does is it creates apathy in us. It creates apathy in me by, by keeping me comfortable and unopened to the world around me. This kind of works hand in hand with individualism. If I am getting more and more comfortable in getting the things that I want to have in my life, I, I can more easily kind of medicate myself from any real sense of need. And I can become, if I'm comfortable, I can become increasingly apathetic towards the needs of anyone else in the world around me. If we're honest, we probably all battle with these every day, right? On some level. Cynicism, individualism, materialism. But how's your soul right now? We're gonna go to worship and we're gonna worship for a little bit and then we're gonna take communion. So if I can invite the team to come up. But let's stand together. I, I wanna just give you a moment before, before music starts to just wait on the Lord for a second. Would you be still before him and listen? Just leave these up on the screen. And if there's one of these that the Holy Spirit's really pointing out to you, and, and, and here's the difference between God speaking and, and the enemy trying to shame you. When God is speaking, he's gonna point something out here and he's going to give you something very specific. Hey, you know that thing where you always like say no to people who wanna pray for you for that issue in your life? That's cynicism. Invite someone in to pray for you. That's how God speaks. When the, when the enemy's trying to shame you and just make you feel bad and that you can't do anything, he's just gonna say, oh, well, you're no good at any of this. You're cynical. It's very general. There's no specific thing. Do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? And uh, the reason I'm, I'm explaining that right now is often I think we go and we, we're gonna spend time listening to God and we're so used to giving the voice of the enemy space. We're just like, yeah, that, that's God telling me I can't do this whole Jesus thing. And that's actually the voice of the enemy trying to bury you even more and keep you from freedom. So I just want to invite you in. God's going to speak specifically, very practically. Just take a moment and quiet and listen to how the Holy Spirit might be leading you right now. It was great having you with us today. 
We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.